welcome listeners to this week's Behind the Scenes with Latinx Lit Audio Mag. I'm your host, Teresa Douglas. And today we're talking to Yara Flores. Born in Mexico and raised on the border, Yara is drawn to darker tales and is an aficionado of Mexican folklore. She attributes this to her own mother and abuela, who told the best spooky stories around. She is a Latina dual language educator, mother, and author who is passionate about representation and advocacy in all realms. As an elementary dual language Spanish educator of nearly a decade, she has been fortunate enough to gain a window into the exact type of literature that children are drawn to and also what is missing within the current selection of literature for children. She has had short stories published in Latin Lit magazine. She currently lives in Austin with her two daughters, husband, and rescued bu- and rescued blue healer pup. Welcome, Yara. Thank you. Thank you. I'm nice so to happy here. to have you. Yeah. And and before we gush about your story, because that's coming, just so you <laughs> know, I, I, I my real reason I'm bringing people here is because I love I love the work that you produce, and we just need to gush all over it in the most awkward manner possible. Um, but before that, before that happens, I, I do ask everybody about food because food is important culturally. And also, I just kind of like food. Um, what is your favorite comfort food? Oh, man, that's a tough question. I am a foodie and Mexican food still happens to be my favorite. Mm-hmm. So I would say, even though I don't have it often, I love pollo and mole. Mm. Love Why do that. You like that? Um, I just think it's so rich. It's so complex. It's mm-hmm. almost like the only thing you need to eat all day long because it just is so hearty, <laughs> which I love. Yeah. Uh, it's a tough meal to have in the summer. So deep in the heart of Austin, Texas over here, I haven't had it in months. But when our first cool day comes in late October, I know what I'm going to be making. Yeah. And, and really, mole with anything that has chocolate in it has got to be good. Oh, so good. That, you know, honestly. And yes, I, I, I know it's a thousand degrees in Texas right now. <laughs> but uh, that that would be a nice autumn food. You know, I, I think of tamales as sort of an autumn food because yeah. my family would get together and make them. But but mole, yeah, definitely on that list, on that list of autumn foods. Yeah, mm. I don't really know if mole has a seasonality to speak of, but for me, it's just really tough to eat very warm, yeah. rich foods in the summertime. Yeah. Um, I more just snack through the day, but oh man, pollo and mole, especially the kind that doesn't have bones so that you don't make mm. a big mess of yourself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you can I'm put ready those. Now. Oh yeah. And you fill your tortillas. You can fill, you can fill anything with, oh, yeah. yeah. I love to have See? it just over chips too. Yes. It like, it's good. At, it's just good in everything. Mm-hmm. Sl- slap that in a torta and man, yeah, there you go. Well, I, I keep making people hungry on the show. I am hungry <laughs> now because of this. But thank you. Thank you for sharing your, your favorite comfort food. Um, I think there'll be a lot of people thinking about making mole later. Yeah. And, you know, it's not for everyone, but something happened when I was in my late teens and I suddenly loved it. I didn't like it before that. Hmm. Well, maybe your your taste buds matured, but yeah, I don't know. I like I like mole in general. It's just a nice like whatever you're putting it in, but yeah, it's it's such a good thing. Mm-hmm. Well, well, thank you for sharing that. You sure. know, 
Let, we should probably talk about the, the thing that, that brought you here, which is your, mm-hmm. your beautiful story, The Guardian, Le Breche, and such a lovely piece of writing. But before, I keep saying we're going to talk about it, and then I say, never mind, we're not. Um, <laughs> before we talk about that, how long have you been writing? Um, so I was thinking back to this, and my earliest memory of writing for fun was in fourth grade. Hmm. I remember we were just kind of getting the intros of composition done, um, starting in on that. And my teacher always had such great feedback for me that mm-hmm. it was just a pleasure to kind of develop those pieces. And you got those little conference times with them. And it just seemed like it was so personal. I'm not really sure if it was more the experience or the actual writing at that time that made me like it. But mm-hmm. either way, she did a great job. So I'd say about fourth grade and then a little more seriously the past few years. Mm-hmm. I, I say it almost every episode, but thank you, teachers. Um, that that experience of writing, I think, is is key. I, I know in my case, it, it was that, too. It was that teacher who sort of took me seriously and, like, took the time to read the things that I wrote that really made me think, hmm, maybe this is something. And obviously, when when you're in fourth grade, you, you don't know what you're going to be when you grow up, really, you know, whether you're going to be an mm-hmm. astronaut or chef or whatever it is. But but that experience, it sounds like clearly, clearly left a, a mark for you. And and now here you are. Yeah. It's been yeah. Well, I would say lovely. it definitely did. Well, this this is a this is a, a beautiful work. Do you do you like to write all kinds of things? Do you stick to nonfiction? Do you stick to fiction more? Poetry? What's your what do you like to write? Tell me all about it. Um, I kind of write a little, a little bit of everything. I would say I'm currently really into short stories that have a little bit of paranormal woven into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, couple of supernatural elements, usually from from stories that my grandmother would share with me or that my mother would share with me. Um, a lot of little bits of Mexican folklore in there. Love mm-hmm. that growing up. And I just it's interesting to see how it just that's what I'm drawn to reading. And also that's what I'm drawn to writing. And and you do such a, a lovely job just thinking about about this story and how gently I would say those elements are, are woven in. We have we have this beautiful dog and and just picturing sitting out on, on the patio looking at in this this place that is otherwise very rural and, and nothing to do. And in here it was, you know, there's telenovelas and that's that's it on the TV, basically. And and here comes this dog that's just sort of this gentle presence that's here. And then by the end, you kind of get those hints from that are happening at the beginning that this this dog, you know, you could say, was this was this the spirit of of Abuelo come back? Is this a guardian generally for for Abuela who who was, you know, in the last stages of her life? It it's such a beautifully ghostly presence, even from the beginning, like all the little the little hints that you put in there. And and I would love to hear what sparked this idea and how you went about writing it. Yeah, well, um, thank you. Thank you. That was very kind of you, all of those words. Um, so what sparked this, is it's actually a true story or true to my family anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, everything from the very, the very beginning of the story from the, you know, taking care of grandma to 
sitting on the porch and this this lovely little canine companion coming up to spend the last few days of my grandma's life with uh, the family. Mm-hmm. It all true, all just kind of reworked a little bit uh, so that I'm a character in the story where, in fact, I wasn't. I actually was away at the time. uh, And my parents were the ones that kept coming into contact with this dog that kept coming by the house uh, pretty much until until my grandmother passed. And in the way you weave those things in, I, I love those ties, those ties of family, because the character comes back because she needs to help. the The dog is coming to help, and it's it's just such a a nice sort of. It's the kind of tale you would like to hear, you know, at the end of dinner as the sun is going down, and, and we're having those those little bit spooky stories. Mm-hmm. It, it's just nice. Did so you reworked a, a true story? Did you need to do a lot of drafting for that, or do you feel like it just sort of flowed? How how was that process? Well, initially, the my first draft of the story was just a telling of the story. I didn't work mm-hmm. myself in as a character initially. Um, and just kind of getting some feedback, you know, trying to put some voice in there, decided that that would be the, the best route. Yeah. And it's it's funny you say that, like just telling that story out. And I find that a lot of us will come from that that sort of oral tradition. And I'm not saying that you you literally spoke it out loud in order to to tell the story, but but having that that base story and then tweaking from it, it did you find that that helped you sort of flesh it out, or did it feel confining? Was did you ultimately feel like that was the the best way to to tackle this story? So I love the way that the piece ended up. Um, You're absolutely right about the oral tradition. So seeing as how this was a story that was told to me by my parents Mm -hmm. several times, uh, each time with a little bit more detail and who knows, who knows, maybe it strayed from the truth a little bit each time it was told. (laughs) But uh, just being so accustomed to the way that this is my, the, the way that my culture presents storytelling, it's hard to make the shift and Mm -hmm. think of myself in the story, especially because so many of our stories are kind of like lesson learned stories, or this is Mm -hmm. why you don't do this. So it's more like you're supposed to be gleaning this, this moral lesson out of them. Um, So yeah, it was, it was interesting to work myself in as a character, but I think it did the story 10 times more justice, putting somebody in it. Yeah. And and it is because you're follow you have someone to follow along, and right. and you have there because in an oral story that you might be told around a kitchen table, you have everybody there. There's the audience, and and you can play with the audience more and, and figure out what details to bring out or whatever. But on a page, when you have to just guess at who's going to be reading this. And you can't fill in those details if you see someone's face go. What I, I don't understand that. I, it does help because you have that thread all the way through and it gives us that, that nice closure at the end. And I'm listeners, you're going to hear me rustling papers here as I'm grabbing my, and I, I loved here that we, we have this character who, who's just like puzzled at the end. It's like that's that nice standard. And we never 
saw them again mm-hmm. sort of story. And and the thing I liked so much about that is that you get that a lot in, in sort of the scarier stories. And, and this one isn't scary. And not to say that there isn't a place for scary stories, but I just felt like that was such a nice twist on, on, a, on a ghost tale sort of thing that you have this this beautiful creature who's there and nobody's missing this dog but but where did they go it that to me was such a fun fun twist on this and then the fact that that earlier uh Awella didn't want to leave her her house because she said my grandfather wouldn't be able to find her when he came home at night so so there's there's that linking right there that that is this is this someone just, you know, what kind of guardian are we talking about? Oh, anyway, I, I love this. I love the way this worked. And I would love to hear from you um, what impression you would like to leave with people. And obviously, if this is a, it, not everything has to be deep, right? We, we're not trying to solve war and world hunger in, in every piece that we write. But it is nice when we can to let people know sort of what we intended. Was there a feeling or something like that, that you hope people leave with after they listen to your story? Oh um, yeah. I mean, for me, a lot of it uh, has to do with just the setting. If you've ever been kind of on the more desolate areas of the border, there's these Mm -hmm. like beautiful orange, pink cotton candy sunsets. Everything is just a glow in the evenings and brutal during the day. But there's just this sort of light magic that comes alive every evening. So I thought it was so cool that this is when the dog would show up. It's almost mm-hmm. as if like this this little bit of surrealism would kind of play into the day around him. So I, I would just like the feeling of something just lightly paranormal, almost like mm-hmm. magically paranormal, mm-hmm. not necessarily spooky. Although I would say there, there are some bits of spookiness in it, mainly, mainly at the beginning as the like dementia is really taking over Abuela and, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's having to come to terms with what, what will happen next. So maybe more, that's probably just like a troublesome kind of tension. Uh, but overall, I think the, the end should leave the reader kind of with like a heartwarming paranormal. Yeah. I love the way you talk about it uh, as, as this area having a little bit of light magic um, because that have, I haven't been to Texas too many times, but when I have, it's been on the way to see my great grandmother when she was alive. And it's true. Just that like anything could happen, like almost like there's that, that separation between the, the, the supernatural and the, and the regular life is just sort of thinner. I 100% agree. And it's super interesting on the border just because you've got, you know, Texan culture butting up against like a lot of rural Mexican landscape, um, the Mexican border. And there's just this sort of strange, magically ominous at sometimes treacherous, but other times magical kind of aura to the whole area. It's really, it's really special. I kind of, I see it popping up a lot in my writing now. Uh-huh. Um, not necessarily planned. It's just such an interesting backdrop to stories. It just, it keeps coming. It, right. It's something that's, that's, that's connected. I, I love that. And I know that, that other people are going to want to see more of your work, especially with those, those elements that are, that are coming in because they're intriguing. Um, and, and if folks did want to 
follow you in a non-creepy way uh, <laughs> to see your work and find out other things that you publish. Is there a way for them to do that? Um, yeah. So I recently just got my, my writer Twitter started. So they can find me at Yadi Writes altogether. Y-A-R-I Writes. Nice. So listeners, there there's where you can find more spooky state <laughs> more spooky tales of light magic, paranormal, and, and other things that Yara writes. Mm-hmm. Th- thank you so much for coming, for, for sharing this story with our listeners and with me. It was lovely to, to listen to and lovely to hear more about your work. Thank you. I appreciate the time and thanks for, for being interested in my writing. 